Good evening. Uh, I'm glad you're tuning in. It won't be long now, and we'll be uh, meeting together on Wednesday nights. Uh, we're going to look at uh, wind tonight, W-I-N-D, and we're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 2. Uh, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, we find these words. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them uh, divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in uh, Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? How, how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, uh, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, uh, Egypt and parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this be? Others mocking said, They are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised the voice and says, Men of Judea, all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words. These are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And shall come to pass in those days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for uh, this day. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for drawing us to yourself. Father, I pray our minds and hearts would be open to you. and Holy Spirit, you touch us with your words and let your words grow, go forth in spirit and in truth. And Father, especially talk to any listening or watching today that have not accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Spirit, that this would be the day that they take care of that. These things I pray in His name, in Jesus' name, Amen. Tonight I wanted to look at this, uh, not from the standpoint of wanting some kind of a static experience, not for wanting something strange, but, but if you've ever wanted God to work in a different way, a new way, a creative way in your own life, or uh, a creative or different way, or a fresh way would be a better way to put it, a powerful way in your life or in the life of your church, then... Uh, the Bible has an answer for that. Maybe we need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit to renew us, to encharge us, to bring revival or renewal to our lives. And the Bible answers that we can have that. Uh, like these folks had it. And basically, it boils down to we should desire for God to do new things in our church. We should desire for God to do new things. And I'm not talking about turning the world upside down. I'm not talking about we have to start a bunch of this and that and the other. Uh, 
but that he would just have freedom to move any way. That we would be amazed at the way he renews people and he uh, saves people and, and he causes the church to grow. And if you want that, then you should be praying for that and, and desire that. And as you follow God, he gives you the desires of your heart. So, uh, what do I see here? I see, first of all, we should be waiting. And waiting, just says exactly this happened because they did what Jesus told them to do in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. But the whole thing was waiting. And we need to understand that. That uh, what does it mean when you say wait? It's the hardest thing I believe we do spiritually. Uh, we want answers and we want them now. We desire action and we want it now. We want to get with it and we want to do the work now. We want to see the movement now. Um, and in our day, now is the operative word. Now, 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 now. I want it now. I don't want to wait. But God says to wait. For example, if you know uh, this verse that I'm going to read in Isaiah 40, 31, it says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. And then in the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus promised, he said, Behold, I send you the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued or given power from on high. The first thing to do for God can do something new or refresh us or empower us uh, for the work to be done is waiting. Okay? And we need to wait for his plan, for his purpose, and, and for his spirit to give us the power to do the work. And that happens in the Acts chapter 2 passage that I read to begin with when the Holy Spirit first came. We need to understand that at that time, the Holy Spirit did not reside in them. At that time, the Holy Spirit came on certain individuals for a certain time for specific work. Now, as soon as we're born, he lives within us. That's what Jesus had promised that he would do. So in waiting for God, what are we supposed to do? What can we do while we wait? I'm going to suggest six things that we can do just briefly while we wait. Six things to help us to wait. The first thing we, we need to do very specifically is this. Realize that waiting on the Holy Spirit doesn't mean idleness or wasted time. It is an investment in a relationship. When we wait for the Holy Spirit to guide us, when we wait for the Holy Spirit to empower us, when we wait for the Holy Spirit to arrange the things, to do what He wants us to do, that's not idleness. That's preparation. It's investment in a relationship with our Lord and with our Savior as we learn to listen to what He would have us to do. As we learn to wait on how or where we should go or what we should do and how we should do it. And so we have to get over this mind that if we're sitting still and we're praying and we're reading the Word of God and we're waiting for the Spirit's direction, that somehow that's a waste of time. The second thing we need to do is this. Stop obsessing. Okay? We get one thing in our mind and we won't let it go. We're like a dog wearing a bone. We just want to chew on it, chew on it, chew on it. We want this done, this done. We're waiting, we're waiting. Come on, Lord, do this, do this. Stop obsessing. Don't focus on what we want. Focus on what God wants. 
Focus on our relationship. Uh, the third one is learn to listen for the Holy Spirit's leading. Some people tell me, well, I don't know. Well, it may be just a small, still voice. It may be an impression you have that you're to go here or you're to do that. But the Holy Spirit will lead and guide. But how he works in my life and how he works in your life is different according to our individual personalities. All right? And so he will lead. There's no doubt about that. But we, learn, we need to learn to listen and watch how he's leading. Um, Henry Blackaby in his great work, Experiencing God, said, When you see God's working, that's your invitation to move and join him in the work. And so the Holy Spirit will open our eyes. The Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts from his word or from a need we see. And that's our impetus to go, all right? Our push, if you will, to go and join him in the work that he's already doing, all right? Um, so that's the first three things. The fourth thing is this. We're to examine ourselves in the light of God's word. Examine ourselves in the light of God's word. For instance, uh, what are our attitudes like? Are our actions loving towards others? What are our, is our thought life? Are our thought life pure? Are we focused on the word of God and hymns of praise? Or or, or we filled our mind with junk? What are our motives? Do we, do we really want the Holy Spirit to move so that God is glorified? Or do we want to be caught up in it and somehow we receive a little bit of that glory? So according to God's word, we examine those things. Our attitudes, our actions, our thoughts, our motives. Uh, the fifth thing. Invite the Holy Spirit to search you and try you. That's what Psalm 139, uh, verses 23 and 24 says. Oh, says, Lord, search me and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of life evermore. Okay, in other words, you take me out of those things, but you search me and try me. Sometimes we're not being used or we don't feel the Spirit move because we have something that's, that, that's clogging uh, our filter. It's sin. And when we ask God for forgiveness, he forgives that, and the flow is there. And we can hear, and we can understand. All right? And the last thing is probably uh, as important as anything. Give your schedule to the Holy Spirit. Give your schedule. Now, I believe it or not, I do like to know what's going to happen in a day, and I might have my daily list. But I have learned that sometimes I miss it or the Holy Spirit brings an opportunity and His will has priority over everything. He's allowed to interrupt anything I had planned because He is God. So give your, uh, your schedule to the Holy Spirit and let Him use you in any way that He wants to during a day. Now when you do that, be looking and be willing. Don't miss your opportunity because it'll come as we give control to him. So, waiting. Then if we want to see a new uh, uh, move of God, if we want to feel God's freshness of power, there needs to be intimacy. Intimacy. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning with verse uh, 6, uh, Paul says this, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eyes not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. We can't imagine it. The next verse is very key. 
But God has revealed them to us to, has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what a man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. In other words, what he's saying is, as we spend time with God, he reveals himself to us. He, the deep things belong to God, and the things he reveals belong to us. All right? And we don't get those those wisdom insights apart from spending time and getting an intimate relationship with Jesus and his Holy Spirit, all right? Uh, one God revealed in three different ways, okay? And they're open to us, and we've been saved through the person and work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Do we understand that, that, that the Spirit drew us and that we he enlightened our eyes and, and we've been saved? In uh, uh, John 14... In John 14, uh, if I get there, we know John uh, 14, 6, or yeah, 14, 16, uh, it's, it says this. And it's really uh, 16 through 18. It says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And then verse 26 of the same chapter, John 14, it says, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And... Bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Okay? And those verses are talking about an intimate relation. The secret to intimacy, either physically or spiritually, is very simple and it's the same thing. Time spent together. Time spent together. Some folks, uh, some couples have been married long enough and spent uh, enough time together. They can finish each other's sentences. They know what each other like. They uh, know that uh, this one wants to go do this or this one wants to go do that. They know what the favorite, et cetera, et cetera. But it comes from spending time together in that, in that relationship of trust and love. And that's the kind of relationship God wants to have us. He leads us through a lot of things, a lot of things that are hard to handle in life because we learn to trust him. And as we spend time with him, we love him and we trust him. And we know that he's okay to follow and he's okay to listen to and he's okay to obey. That intimacy comes from that. You know, somebody says, well, I just don't, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be judgmental, I'm not trying to be ugly, but listen, some of us spend so little time with God and His Word, why would He trust us with some of the deeper things that we yearn for? Uh, some of us uh, spend more time uh, uh, watching certain TV shows than we do in our Bible study. Eek, okay? Uh, but it comes, intimacy comes from time spent together. So ask the Holy Spirit when you are having trouble uh, reading the Word of God and understanding. Ask Him to give you understanding. Sometimes if I have a passage, and this is going to seem a little bit odd, but and I'm having a hard time understanding exactly what's going on, it does me good just to write it. Simply write it down. You say, well, that's, that's not 
you know, but, but it works. Um, let's see, I was listening to uh, the radio yesterday and uh, it was, I don't know whether it's Dennis Rainey or James Dobson or one of them, but the, the latest study they had that uh, they're discovering from schoolwork that it's better for them to have small children write things down. Not just to learn their ABCs, not just to learn um, uh, proper sentence structure, or English, or grammar, but because there's something about writing it down that makes an indelible mark on our brains, we, we understand it better. And they're finding out that even the high school students are having more trouble now when they type everything on their computers or on their iPads or whatever, because it's not the same thing as writing. There's something about the, the, the act of writing it down that makes our brain, makes the center of our brain work a different way. All right, it, it makes it process more. And it's better for study habits a lot of times if you write your notes out. I had uh, lots of friends who would listen to a tape recorder from, from their classes and they would write their notes out. And I always wondered why their, their grades were better. Well, they heard it, but they also wrote it down. And I couldn't just listen to it on the tape and get anything. I had to write it down. So, so sometimes, um, when you're wanting to understand God and His Word, write that little verse or two down and see if it doesn't start clicking something in your mind. So we have, if we want that newness of power, that newness of freshness of the Holy Spirit, uh, that uh, we need to wait and then we need to develop intimacy while we're waiting. The, the third thing is, is just uh, allow Him to renew us. Just call it newness, okay? In uh, Romans, <clears throat> Chapter 6, Romans chapter 7, verse 6, I'm sorry. It says, But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. In other words, uh, the Holy Spirit brings newness to our lives according to God's purposes for us. We see our lives differently. He changes attitudes. He changes actions uh, with the Word of God. And he, he, he does those things for us. And it's like this, okay? I think that God, with His Holy Spirit, wants to change our worship. Now, oh, I don't get all up my roar. I'm not talking about the songs and this and that. I'm talking about what is our attitude when we walk into worship? What do we expect? Do we expect... Uh, God to just give us some kind of ooly-gooly stuff and we get shiver bumps? Or have we prepared by reading our Bibles, have we prepared by praying, have we prepared in private so that He can reward us openly and our worship just becomes natural? It just flows. And He would change us so that, so that our worship is just us and God. It's us and God and God's people. It's us and God and God's people reaching out to a hurting world. You know, all kinds of things can be worshipful, and we need to understand that. And, and uh, uh, see, he, he, he changes it by he makes it fresh. He, he changes our priorities. It's, it's something about worship that our priorities change. Uh, uh, I like, uh, and the things I've missed, you know, not just seeing people, but walking in the door and people starting to gather for Sunday school and you hear all the buzz or, or walking in Wednesday nights and seeing all the kids running around and having a good time, you know. I want the kids to realize church is a fun place to be. Church is a place that is safe. Church is a place where they meet God and learn about Jesus and it's a joyous place. And I want the adults to feel the same thing. We lose some of our joy, our openness. 
And the Holy Spirit needs to refresh our worship so that we're joyful and open. And when the, he, he touches our hearts, we don't mind crying in front of each other. Because that's just the Spirit moving. And so we need to do that. The fourth thing is dependence. Uh, dependence. Uh, John chapter 3, in verses 6 through 8. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And uh, Jesus said to him, Most assuredly, I say, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man who is old be born, be born again? Can he enter a second time his mother's womb? And Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, which, you know, we, we're born of water when we're physically born, uh, and born of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And that means we depend upon God to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Uh, the Apostle John said it this way in John, 1 John 1, 3, 1. Behold, what manner of love God has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. See, our dependence is, is not upon ourselves. It's not upon our good work. Our dependence is upon uh, being saved uh, by Jesus Christ. And so that leads us to some things. Okay, uh, Jesus called God his Father, and God is our Heavenly Father, and we need to draw closer to him. Uh, in life, what is our number one goal or aspiration, however you want to put it? What do we seek after? Do we seek pleasure? Do we seek money, fame, fortune? Or do we seek to really know our Heavenly Father, to draw closer to him? It should be a joyous mission to know God and to know everything about him, okay? And uh, we need to ask, do we do that? Um, the second thing, not only did he call, Jesus called God his Father, he is our Heavenly Father, because he said that's the way we would pray, our Father who art in heaven. Uh, but the second thing, as he did this, Jesus was led by the Spirit. Who is our leader? Who leads us? Who do, who do we look to for leadership? Uh, who influences us the most? Is it a TV personality, a famous news person, an actor, a sports hero? Is it uh, our parents? Uh, you know, or is it Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit? Okay, um, if you realize it, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit in some pretty rough places, and uh, but he was always dependent on the. Holy Spirit for guidance and direction. When you see some of these traps that the Jewish leader set for Jesus, he answered them so well, it's because the Holy Spirit gave him the answers. He does for us too. 